kids. Welcome to Cosplaying Cocktails. This is Paige. And I am Jesse, as always. As always. Uh, Jesse, what's up with you? What's going on? Um, I'm talking to you. Oh, yeah. Lucky you. On the podcast. Um, I got we... a postcard today. Oh, yeah? I don't get postcards, like real mail, very often. So it is nice um, to get a little postcard in the mail. It yeah, was a nice send little. send me a postcard every once in a while. Nice little surprise. A lot of times I don't think to do it. But I also got Date Night Dungeons, a couple's adventure module. Oh. I think my boyfriend is like, you can play it with Paige. But I think maybe he's going to be forced to do it. I think maybe he will. There are added few extras to keep your mind on romance. Oh no. So I don't like I don't want to keep my mind on romance with you. No. So he may be forced to do it against his will. Good. Um have, you have any cosplay updates? Anything you're working on and excited about? Uh I just finished a um big big not big big but like a bigger prop that I'm really happy with I think it's finished I need to decide if I want to like mess with it anymore or just like touch it up or what Mm -hmm. what the extent of any small things that need to be done are Mm -hmm. but I'm pretty happy with it I need to really get busy on comic palooza stuff because Comic Palooza is coming up. He's going to sneak up on us. Yeah, I'm working on a skirt. Just scary because it's a big, it's going to be a big skirt. And that's, and then new wig stuff, wig styling, putting mm-hmm. multiple wigs together is something I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. So, you know. Keep keep me in your thoughts, listener. If this is before, seriously, one way or the other, by the time this comes out, I had better have already done the wigs at least. <laughs> so, um, if not, it's very possible I'm just you know gonna wear a different wig. But um, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I um this week just finished uh one of my Dragon Club cops. Uh, one of my Dragon Con cosplays, um, and it's actually the like one of the very first cosplays I've ever wanted to do, and I finally did it, and I'm so happy with it. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and I've got some more work to do on Comic Palooza stuff as well, but nothing too major. I don't nothing that I'm like feeling like is daunting. Yeah, that's kind of how I am. Like I don't think. And I think that's why I procrastinated so much, but like it's going to get to the point where there are a couple things where stuff could go wrong. Like it's, it's not like stuff that I think is going to be like, oh, this is so hard. This is a completely new technique. It's just like, did I get enough that, like I said, this skirt is going to be pretty big. Did I get enough? Like, did I actually get enough fabric for it? Do I want to put trim on the bottom? is my plan because I don't have a pattern for it because I can't get a pattern for it like I've got to order I've got to order some stuff (laughs) and 
like very basic sewing on a couple different things like finishing up a vest and um like some pretty basic stuff but then I do have to make a dress but I'm not like I did I've I've already done the hard part of that cosplay like the dress I don't think is going to be hard at all so cutting out the pattern pieces and attaching your thing I think is going to be the only thing that's even remotely right yeah I imagine I can get it done in a a day or two um but I'm still waiting on that fabric it should be here uh but um yeah I think that's maybe another reason why I put off because I mostly have sewing left yeah I'm like (laughs) like yeah but it shouldn't be too terrible of sewing but it's just like sewing that I'm afraid like I said for me when I'm sewing and I don't have any kind of guide it's just me like doing my own pattern or like idea of how to piece something together then it's always more daunting than but neither of them have to look they're both for one's for a mashup costume and one is for like a fan art version right so nothing is screen accurate or like right nothing has to be it but like you know the skirt has to be a skirt that right (laughs) isn't lumpy and weirdly shaped so yeah. Or at least I would like it to not be lump, lumpy and weirdly shapen. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I need to get busy on it. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited for Comic Palooza this year because I'm excited, like, to go because we already know, like, like we know the drive isn't that big of a deal. Like we've done that. Like we know that we are going to have the time. Yeah, like we we already know that we got press passes, right? So. Like we know we know what to expect for that. But um, and I'm excited about the cosplays that we're wearing, and I'm excited. Um, yeah. Like you know, like I I have, don't see any issues with that. Um, but then when we're done, it's like our big thing is Dragon Con, and I feel like we've slowly been like working on pieces of Dragon Con, but like putting comic clues as a priority which is like obviously since it comes first but i'm excited to like focus on the dragon com ones that i've kind of pushed to the side and uh, it's nice to have like it's nice to have comic palooza to so that i don't do what i normally do and finish all my dragon con cosplays and then be like well what else can <laughs> i do also i have like a full-blown extra cosplay right in my for this year that like I don't have a con where to I'll probably take it to Dragon Con I was gonna say we've got we've got so many backups that we're bringing to Dragon Con and we even just came up with um you know one of our comic palooza costumes just a couple weeks ago we decided we were doing it yeah and I'm really excited for both of ours I am really excited for our comic palooza ones yeah I'm glad that it kind of like plans kind of changed because uh-huh. they Me are too. ones that we're planning on doing but like they're both kind of bigger cosplays yeah ones that we're both yeah. excited about and right. um we did an interview today uh so mm-hmm. we have a mocktail you want to tell them about the mocktail yeah so we, we interviewed kind of early so i had an original mocktail and then i changed it to a new mocktail uh 
which I'm calling um, Einstein on the Beach. Oh. I've just come up with that name. If anyone gets that reference, you get an extra 15 Jesse points. Anyway, uh, this mocktail is comprised of two of my favorite summertime drinks. Uh, Mountain Dew, Baja Blast. You can get Baja Blast Zero <laughs> if you want to make it a more, you know, sugar friendly. A large Baja Blast. The non-zero edition has 420 calories, which is a lot. So I get the Baja Blast Zero. That you know, feel free to get full sugared. You can do whatever you want. You don't even have to make this drink. It's free country. <laughs> there is a new or a flavor that I've just recently discovered of LaCroix, one of my favorite beverages, um, called Beach Plum. And I think it tastes slightly reminiscent of Baja Blast. So I took some Baja Blast Zero and I made like a little spritzer with um, Beach Plum LaCroix sparkling water. And I'm calling it the Einstein on the beach. They both taste just really super summery to me. The can for the Beach Plum LaCroix could not be more beautiful. It's got a beach on it. Beautiful clouds, rolling waves. We're not paid by either of these companies, by the way. Um, we get no money from Baja Blast or Taco Bell. But anyway, that's that's mocktail corner for me. Mocktail, mocktail. Um, um, so on today's episode, uh, we have an interview uh, with Little Lionheart Cosplay. Um also known as Rebecca, um, and we've talked about her before on the podcast, and we're so excited to get to chat with her today. Mm -hmm. So welcome, Rebecca. Um, Rebecca, we met you, or we didn't really meet you. We've talked about this before, but we kind of kept crossing paths with you and at Dragon Con this past year, and you were in your, we, we saw you just in your five from Umbrella Academy. Um, and every time we'd see, we'd be like, oh my gosh, look how amazing that cosplay is. Like, ah. Um, so we're so excited to finally get to have you on the podcast. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners kind of a little bit about you and um, how you got into cosplaying? Sure. Thank you. And thanks again. Uh, number five is one of my absolute favorite characters to cosplay right now. So I appreciate all the love um, <laughs> that you're sharing. Um, but yeah, so my name is Rebecca and I got into cosplay about 15 years ago when I was in high school. Um, I mostly came into it from the anime side of fandom. I really mm -hmm. was into uh, mostly One Piece. That was my favorite anime at the time. Um, I also enjoyed shows like Rurouni Kenshin and uh, Tiger and Bunny and um, Haikyuu, if you ever know the volleyball anime. I loved all of the anime shows when I was earlier in cosplay. Mm -hmm. um, but then with Marvel uh, that came out, it became much more popular for the Avengers in 2012, I believe is when that came out. Uh, I sort of transitioned over into more live action uh, cosplay characters. So was really into Marvel for a while. And then um, I've just enjoyed being able to uh, kind of recreate the characters and the costumes just based on the fact that I really love these uh, geeky shows and being able to kind of recreate things that I enjoyed 
uh, and meeting lots of other fans of the shows really has given me kind of like a community of, of people to do this thing with. Um, I really enjoy the uh, more the acting aspect of cosplay. As much as I also enjoy the costume making aspect, I really like portraying the character and, you know, kind of getting into character. And so um, this is my way of being able to do that without being an actor in real life, like as far as my career or anything. So, right, right. Yeah, we uh, we talk about it quite a bit, but like we always have a hard time actually being in character. Um, So do you find that easier um, out in public, uh, you have a, you acted in high school. So was that just natural for you to want to incorporate that into your cosplays or was it something that just kind of happened? Well, it was more or less like the venue or like cosplay is the venue for me to be able to do the acting that I enjoy because, um, what I have found with like, so when you're acting for a, like a play or a specific Like if you were to try and audition for something, there's a lot of typecasting involved. So it's very important for them to select somebody who would be able to be convincing as that character. Um, So a lot of that has to do with what you look like in addition to, you know, obviously who you can portray in a show, which makes sense because it's also something that is you know, run at a larger scale. But when you're a cosplayer, you're not only the actor, but you're also the casting director. So you get to decide which character that you want to portray. Um, For example, when I cosplayed Thor, I look nothing like Chris Hemsworth. Um, I'm not even a man (laughs) and I'm not big and strong, but I really, really wanted to be Thor. So I just decided I was going to make that costume and I was going to have a lot of fun portraying a character that I don't look like. Um, I'm not that much like, but I really enjoyed, I enjoyed him from the Avengers and I wasn't about to have anyone tell me I couldn't be him. (laughs) Uh, yeah, we, you know, Jesse's famous quote is nobody looks like Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth." (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's true though. The other Hemsworths don't look like Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) What I thought at the time when I stand by it, like. Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing too, is that with a lot of the Hollywood type stuff, it's, um, they typecast, they select somebody who is going to portray the character and they have to almost convince that person, you know, who is doing that selection process that they would be a good fit for that role where with cosplay, it's not quite the same because with cosplay, anybody can cosplay and um, anyone can be any character they want to be. So it's not something that you have to impress a a a group of casting directors to say oh well we'll accept this person but not this person so you know in that case anyone could be Thor if they wanted to be um and so being able to then um do whatever you want to do in order to create that character um I could have also done more of a gender-bent version right and with oh with the new movie coming out it's going to be really fantastic to see um to see Jane as uh as Thor so that's really exciting too but on the other side though I just decided to be I wanted to be the Chris Hemsworth version so I went through the process of like making all the stuff for the beard and then trying to make myself taller because I'm only like five foot three and so um I wanted to be a tall Thor and so I created these like shoes that I um shoved in like these really tall heels into men's boots and created boot covers to give myself some additional height (laughs) um 
but yeah, th- that's what makes cosplay, I think, a little bit different from a Hollywood actor because they would just cast a taller actor or they would just cast an actor who would actually fit the look they're looking for. Where for me as a cosplayer, um, there's the additional like effort that I go through in order to transform myself into a character that was already cast from a specific actor that you don't necessarily have to look like that actor to be the cosplayer. Um, but it can also be fun sometimes to try and transform yourself to look like them too. You know, it, it, it's, it's just a, a different way of doing things. <clears throat> so this is a question Paige and I have asked each other that we've talked about before. What character that you've cosplayed do you think is the most similar to you or do you see the most of yourself in? That is a really great question. Um, and so I would actually say that there's a couple reasons for cosplaying a character. And I think probably the most too common would be, for me at least, would be character design. So maybe I like the costume a lot or mm-hmm. character design, which is like, do I really like the character and the personality of that character? Um for me, most characters that I cosplay, I can see a little bit of myself in them. Um, and I think that's what helps sometimes with the convincing sell of being able to kind of like portray that character, at least in my own mind, I feel more comfortable being a character if I feel connected to them in some way. Um, a lot of the characters that I cosplay um, have a very like determined mindset. They're sometimes they're very positive characters. Sometimes they're a little grumpy. (laughs) I can relate to both. (laughs) Um, Number five, uh, I relate to in the fact that he reminds me a lot of my um, like younger twenties and like late teenager self uh when it comes to some of his attitude um (laughs) i'm more emotionally mature now than i was back then but um (laughs) there are some similarities (laughs) that i can see myself from when i was a lot less mature um he has a a certain level of like a drive to stop the apocalypse and in that that sort of like determination and his um, like tenacity towards that goal is something I really relate towards. Um, It's something that I, when I'm really interested in something or something that I find fascinating, um, like I pick it up and I just will not set it down. It's something that I just go, go, go until I accomplish whatever I'm seeking out to, 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 to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And um, I relate a lot to that part of the character. Um, and then also, I think um, the character also has a lot of um, a lot of angst in his history, where um, he was very lonely throughout the entire time of the apocalypse. And um, I can relate to that as well, actually. Um, some of my um, childhood and like uh, like high school years, I sometimes felt like an outcast when it came to. Um, you know, what was popular and, you know, that whole way that teenagers can be in high school, like there's the popular crowd and then there's the, you know, the people who are less cool. They're the, either they're into like the drama, uh, drama club and like band nerd and painting and photography and doing that kind of stuff. Like I was always that artsy person and 
um, I relate a lot to sort of that kind of like that feeling of loneliness um, that he had. Um, and like I mentioned before, there's that determination to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And he has a positive reason for it. There's that obsession with stopping the apocalypse, but ultimately the main reason is because he cares for his family. Right. Um, he really wants to save them and, and protect them from the danger that he knows that they're going to face. So do you think that your similarities, um, you know, we know, we know you from your five uh, cosplays and you've just done so many different iterations. Do you think that um, it is those similarities that you see in the character that draws you or that drew you in the beginning to cosplay him? Or do you, was it, was it just like, what, like you said, like the design of, you know, what he was wearing or? Uh, in this case, it was definitely more of an emotional connection to the character. Okay. Um, I will say that uh, Aiden Gallagher's portrayal of the character is immediately what like drew me to the character. He's very charismatic and has this like certain spark when I watched mm -hmm. it in season one. Um, like actually what I'll share is uh, I initially didn't want to watch the Umbrella Academy. I <laughs> saw the preview for it and I thought it looked really stupid like I'm just gonna say <laughs> I didn't think it was I just didn't think it was something I'd be into I my parents funny enough I was visiting them and they they told me we watched the show and we think you'll like it because they're superheroes and I looked at them and I said just because I like Marvel doesn't mean I like every superhero that's out there <laughs> um and so they basically like sat me down in front of the TV and turned it on. And I, I was like, no, come on, come on. No, I don't want to watch this. This looks really dumb. It's like, they want to be DC, but they're like, they were rejected from the justice league. That was like, I was picking <laughs> on these characters. And then I watched the first episode of season one and immediately was sucked into the story and could not stop watching it. And um, immediately uh, was drawn to number five. Uh, there's that also quirkiness about him with that like the relationship between him and Dolores is just movie magic it's very it's intriguing it's a little weird it's out there but like I said in the beginning the way that Aiden portrays him it's not just a silly gimmick like he actually you can tell cares about this inanimate object <laughs> that he puts so much <laughs> heart and love into the character it just something connected and I knew that I wanted to cosplay that character um so you just were talking about Dolores and how you know uh the character of five you know has this like connection to this inanimate object you restored your Dolores from a pretty beat up state yes and you posted a lot of like videos of you doing this in progress photos um on your Instagram stories I was enamored with it, <laughs> like watching you take it and just like transform her was amazing. Can you talk about that a little bit? Certainly. Um, so I first would be remiss if I didn't mention my first version of Dolores. So before the Dolores that you're now speaking about, um, I had a plastic department store mannequin uh, that you could find off of Amazon. Um, she worked really well for a good period of time. Uh, much more lightweight, uh, completely made of plastic and hollow so that it wasn't too difficult to carry her around. But I really struggled with the fact that 
this kind of mannequin, while it's more common and easier to um, obtain, her face was in a perpetual state of frowning and just not very <laughs> pleasant. <laughs> and um, I'm just going to say, I, I can't, her mood would bring my mood down. <laughs> oh no. I couldn't, I just couldn't be with a Dolores that felt like she was done with life. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I went through a search looking for at least a, mo- a, a mannequin that had a similar model, a certain look that was similar to the one in the show. Um, and while the one that I found isn't an exact replica, she's slightly different, but has um, similar, I'll say similar features, similar enough that I was, I was satisfied. Um, she has the right kind of smile in her face like she's not just smiling but she has almost like a coy uh mm-hmm. expression kind of a playful and uh um uh, just there's something you can tell there's a personality there and i think that that's what was most important to me when i was seeking out a good dolores for this character for this you know for this costume um and then doing so i found that she's definitely a vintage mannequin um, so the one that I found was uh, quite beat up, but as soon as I saw her face, I knew that it was it was the Dolores that I needed. Um, so after uh, purchasing her and then receiving um, receiving her, there were lots of deep cracks uh, within the plaster. Um, all over, there was like a spider web of cracks across the chest. There were some deep gashes in the arms and legs. Um, she even had some damages on her face and around the temple, uh, very much neglected over the years. Uh, with it being a vintage mannequin, I believe it was one from like the, ooh, don't, don't quote me on this, but I want to say she was from at least from the 40s or 50s. It's a much older mannequin. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was really exciting to, first of all, find her and have the opportunity to, to purchase. And it's kind of cool that she's also kind of a part of history, too. Um, but, um, related to, uh, ha- having received her and started working on her, um, I used, uh, Bondo, which is a, a filler or like a, a material used in automobile or, or boat restoration mm-hmm. and, um, use that to fill a lot of the cracks and then also, uh, automotive, um, um, automotive spray to, be able to just buff out any of those damages. Um, and then lastly, I had to um, find the right kind of paint color. So basically I found a lot of different chips from the, from the, uh, the low store and I just kept matching, color matching and color matching and color matching. And ultimately her color is a combination of a few different colors that I kind of have to hand paint together. Yeah, I, like I said, I was watching this on your Instagram stories and was, I was just so blown away by just the details that you were. And I was like, I just, you know, just the, the dedication, those, those details, you know, you love that character so much and how you were like, no, this has got to be just right. Like I, I relate to that a lot. Like I, you know, that was a lot of effort for, you know, a, um, a prop. Right. right. And, you know, I just, I just, that's part of cosplay that I love is like the, the love of such a love of a character, you know, that you're like, no, this has got to be just, 
you know, the way I want it to be. So I just thought that was cool. Thank you. And another piece to add about that as well is that um, with cosplay, a lot of times your skills that you learn from a prior build will help to enhance a future build. Um, my skills that I use to uh, work on this vintage mannequin actually came from when I was working on my Thor costume back in 2013 when I built it um, because I had used, this is before the time of Warbla. Let's, so let me just explain that <laughs> Orbla is something and Cobra cast and all of those types of thermoplastics were not a thing back in 2012, or if they were, they were very, very pricey and only, only like big name cosplayers knew about them. Um, <laughs> so I did not have access to that. And so I used what I could find in the automotive store and Bondo and fiberglass is what I had available. So I would not probably recommend using fiberglass and bondo to build armor in the future. Uh, it's way too heavy, definitely not, um, not conducive to a comfortable costume, but having used those skills from my Thor build really helped me to know what I was working with when I worked on Dolores. Um, I guess what I'm trying to share is that when you work on one thing for what, a, a different character, you can often take those skills, build upon them, and then be able to use them in the future as well. Oh, for sure. That's, you know, like, that's kind of, we've discussed, like, what our cosplay journeys have looked like. Like, okay, we're going to figure out how to do this. Oh, well, actually, that's going to work for this next cosplay we're working on, like, for this piece. Like, you know, like, it's just all such a learning process, and everybody's on different learning curves, but it's just such a, like, you just keep building upon your skills and making it work for different things. And okay, that didn't work for that, but it'll be perfect for this, you know. Absolutely. So speaking kind of along the lines of what Paige was saying, is there something that you haven't tackled yet that you want to tackle? Like something that's been either too daunting or just for whatever reason, um, like a crafting, I was going to say procedure, skill I guess is a, probably a better word that you um haven't taken on yet that maybe you want to or like that you it can be something that you've completely given up on you're just like no that's not for me <laughs> okay that's a good question um so I will say knitting uh <laughs> knitting and crocheting is a skill or a a hobby that I've completely given up on <laughs> it's freaking hard I just Yes, I learned how to knit for one cosplay and it was really hard. <laughs> yeah, I keep telling myself maybe I'll go back and I'll try it again later. Um, but I absolutely hate it. Like it's not something I'm particularly good at. And um, otherwise, um, yeah, otherwise, though, uh, that's I mean, it's a great question to ask. I'm not really one of those types of people who have a dream cosplay that I kind of you know, put out in front of me and say, one day, one day I'll do that costume. I, I think for better or for worse, I tend to just dive head, head straight forward in. And if it's something I want to do, nothing's going to stop me from doing it. I'm just going to start working on it. And I, somehow I always make it happen. I, <laughs> I haven't yet had something stop me other than knitting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that has kept me from working on something I really want to work on. Um, I guess sometimes I'll have a lofty goal of wanting to make a costume, but then I end up not doing it, but it's usually because my heart's not really in it. 
But if, I, if there's a character that my heart is into and I really, really badly want to wear that costume, yeah, nothing's going to stop me from making it, even if that means I have to learn new skills, if that means I need to um, commission someone to assist with a costume piece that maybe I'm not as skilled to make, uh, if that means that I have to, I don't know, uh, import something that is from a, I don't know, an another area of a different country in order to use that as a material, like I'm going to find a way and I'm going to make it. <laughs> um, but from another standpoint, from your question, I do have a, like a skill that, or something that I, I want to do, um, but it's more related to shooting in a specific area. Like I'd love to have a photo shoot in some of the original filming locations uh, for Umbrella Academy. So that, that's something that um, I haven't quite been able to achieve that. Um, but I really want bucket to. list. Yes. <laughs> list. And I think it's what's challenging is it's not a day trip. It's something that would take a few days and I would need to secure like a photographer and potentially some other friends who would want to do it with me. Um, so that's kind of why it, that part's on hold but I oh my gosh I want to do it so badly <laughs> where is it shot at I guess it's in Toronto and uh Hamilton and I think also London in uh Canada so it's not okay. too far away I was just curious I know not a ton about the show um my brother has watched it all and I watch a lot of like um you like rating of musicians in uh popular culture like uh whether or not they can actually play the instrument so i've seen like a compilation of all the violin playing they had a they had a violinist um double for uh, elliot yeah. in those scenes like so when he's playing um and it's like a close-up of the hands i believe they have that other like double yeah yeah the double yeah yeah which i personally as a huge classical music fan i would much rather that than they have an actor try to fake it and it looks to someone who knows mm -hmm. what it should look like it looks terrible it's just you know it's something like it takes years and years and years and years and years to um learn the violin so like <laughs> like you know there's no way an actor could learn it to do well enough to train someone who knows what they're looking for. So I would rather them use a double. I absolutely agree with what you're saying about um, having a double for the violin scenes. It's very helpful because um, I, I also play violin. And so it's really obnoxious when you can tell, like, especially yeah. if it's a skill you know how to do and you're like, that's not how it's done. <laughs> but yeah. they do a great job in Umbrella with um, being able to make it believable. So I think they did a great job. Yeah, I get not being able to hire, like, ideally I'd be like, just hire a violinist, but like, they're not going to have the name recognition that Elliot well, Page has. Right, yeah. Yeah, they may not be an actor. A lot of times, yeah. or not always, but some sometimes musicians and actors are the same. But a lot of times they only have one skill yeah, or the other. Rarely, yeah. I was gonna say rarely. We've met some pretty awkward musicians that I don't <laughs> think would probably. You know Rachin. Rachin. I wouldn't say Rachin's my favorite. I would say oh, he probably is objectively like playing wise. <laughs> he, we've met him a couple times. He's well, I guess we only met him the once. He's real awkward. I played um <laughs> Nintendo with him. That's not really meeting him. 
Actually, it's funny you say that. I love how in some ways with social media, people are more accessible than they would have been in the past. Um, I remember one of my favorite things um, in the beginning of 2020 when the lockdown was happening, um, I had made a story post or it was a story on Instagram where I had shared something about it was when everyone was fighting over toilet paper. If you remember that time? Yes. Oh my God. And I had said, I, I, it was just a silly comment. And I was like, if number five could survive X number of years in the apocalypse without toilet paper, so can you. Um, (laughs) And I tagged Aiden Gallagher and he actually responded to me and he said, I found some at Costco. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so cool. I know. And uh, when you talk about being able to interact with like maybe a favorite musician or like a favorite actor or something like that, like that was such a fun moment. Um, that it allows for, I think, social media being able to have that interaction. It's kind of, it's kind of weird because you never expected to be able to do that, you know, in the past, but now it's available and that accessibility is kind of fun. Yeah, we like, um, we cosplayed as Mary and Pippin from the Lord of the Rings and I tagged, you know, Billy Boyd and uh, Dominic Monaghan in it. And one of them like commented and like liked it. And we like lost our, we were like, lost how cool is that? It was dumb. Yeah, it was dumb. Yeah. Uh, we Yeah. And we were like, <laughs> how cool, like how amazing <laughs> is that? That um, is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we really did. But yeah, I was gonna say I think that's one of the positives of the pandemic is it forced me at least because you've always been more social media savvy and more extroverted than I am. But like the pandemic and being like, okay, there's no cons now. So like if you want to get the same or at least a taste of like cosplaying and going to conventions, like you gotta be a little bit more out of your shell. You have to be a little bit more open to social media. You know, at the beginning, very beginning of the pandemic, I remember Paige and I did an episode on it and I was like, there's no way that Dragon Con is going to be canceled. And it was canceled, completely canceled for one year. And then last year, you know, it was a very, very, very different con. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the positives of the pandemic. We've kind of talked about it before, but, you know, anyway. Uh, um. Speaking of Dragon Con, you are a big fan of Dragon Con. Are you so excited for this year? I am. I'm very excited for this year. So I actually am a bit of a newbie still to Dragon Con. My okay. first my first one was in 2019. Oh wow. I yeah, I had never <laughs> been before. Um, I was not my first con. I've been going to cons since 2005. So I've been going to cons for a while, but Dragon Con is probably my first, I'll say like giant con. So yeah, having it canceled in 2020 was a bit of a disappointment. It was understandable, but you know, I, I really had hoped to go back. So I did go back in 2021 and enjoyed, um, I enjoyed actually having it be a little bit different because it was nice having more space. It's a little bit roomier. Um, And I felt like the way the convention handled the COVID restrictions and rules, I felt safe enough there. So um, I'm really excited, I think for 2022, because um, I guess we'll see by the time we get there as to what the COVID restrictions need to be, you know, based on variants and and the like, but um, as if, you know, if it is at least as good as 2021, I, I'm sure 2022 will also uh, be just as good. 
Yeah, this is this will be Jesse's tenth Dragon Con, and my I don't even remember what number for me. It's less than ten, um, but it's changed so it's changed so much for us. Like we used to drive, um, and then we started flying a couple years ago. And, you know, like you said, like packing has changed so much for us because some things are really hard to pack, like in a closed suitcase. Yes. And, you know, like wigs, smashing wigs is a big thing and like just different props and stuff. Um, And then last year with the pandemic, things changed and like changing from like where we stayed because we started staying at a host hotel a couple of years ago and that was a whole new thing. And like, you know, and now that we have the podcast and we know more cosplayers, like it has changed the way we do the con, you know, we don't go to as many panels. We're, we're kind of more socializing during the convention. So what are you looking forward to the most for Dragon Con this year? Ah, uh, yes. So this year, well, actually last year, I decided to um, participate in the Bunny Hutch for um number five and Dolores on Thursday night it's I think that's um, where we saw you first at I think we saw Dolores I'm pretty sure yes yes well I was really excited about that costume um and last year I did not participate in the contest but this year I learned that I think if you can if you actually participate in the contest you get to skip the line and you can go straight into the party. So (laughs) exactly. So I think I'm going to participate in the contest this year, just simply so I don't have to stand in that long line. Um, And uh, I guess we'll see, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's fun. I'm really looking forward to doing that on Thursday. Um, That was one I was actually rushing uh, to complete for last year. I sewed the lining I don't normally con crunch, but you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And I finished sewing the lining of that costume in the hotel room (laughs) before I put it on and, and wore it to the party last year. So I'm really looking forward to going back to that again this year. Um, I also have a dream photo shoot planned, which will be really exciting. And then lastly, I have, um, plans to also walk on the runway for uh, villains in vogue and then i'm sure there will be other things to add to my schedule as well but we'll to, to your point earlier add grabbing a drink with us to that list yes yes <laughs> absolutely i would love to do that uh so you mentioned uh competing in the bunny hutch um uh, contest this year. Have you ever competed in any other costume contests? Um, and if not, do you have any interest in doing that in the future? Yeah, so I have before. Um, I don't, I don't compete that often and I'll, I'll explain why. Um, so typically for me, the things I enjoy doing when I'm in my costume at a convention is I enjoy meeting people and having those interactions with other people as I walk around. That could be other cosplayers or it could be other non-cosplayers who are just fans of the show and really enjoy kind of seeing the costumes and seeing all of the things at the event. Um, So typically I, I don't always compete in cosplay competitions. And the main reason is because they are a a huge time investment. Um, Typically when you sign up for a cosplay competition, you have to also schedule time for judging, uh, which takes up some time. Usually you have to, if, 
if it's the same day as the competition, um, you, that's beneficial because you may already be wearing the costume, but a lot of times you have to schedule maybe a separate day prior to the actual competition. And so you'll have to put that costume on twice throughout the weekend. So you'll wear it one day, you might take about an hour or so to go and do your judging. And then there's a period of time in which when you're preparing for the competition in which you need to uh, do a dress rehearsal. So they'll have everyone line up. You'll walk the runway. You'll do, you know, do the event in the order that you're supposed to kind of as a dress rehearsal. Um, and then you'll also have to wait in kind of a, a holding room for the rest of the attendees to come into the, you know, the, um, the ballroom or wherever that it's being held at. Um, and that also takes time. And then you get to actually do the, the competition, right? And so I find that's a huge block of time that I have to dedicate to doing a cosplay competition um, more so than, because you would just think, well, it's probably just that hour that you go up on stage, right? No, it's, it's so much more involved. And so sometimes I might find it worth it. And I, I don't want to say never, but it's just not usually something that I prioritize because I prefer to spend time interacting with people face-to-face -face and just out and about. So I don't usually do most cosplay competitions um, unless, unless it's one of those where, um, like I said, with Bunny Hutch, I think it's, it's going to be on the same day. Uh, and it's also something where um, I get the benefit of skipping the line. So <laughs> that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, typically I don't do a lot of competitions, um, although I'm sure that it's a very valid thing to do and it's exciting. Um, I love the opportunity to be able to walk on stage and, and show my costume and, and have people be able to see it. And then the opportunity for judges to be able to review it and provide feedback uh, as well as um, just that recognition of being looked at, you know, up on stage with your costume. It's just really fun. Um, but there is a lot of time investment. So that's usually what causes me to not, to not do competitions. See, we are also not competition people, but because we are big scaredy cats. Um, oh no. <laughs> we both have stage fright. And also like, we don't want people looking on the inside of our costumes. Like, oh, that's not, that's not for anyone to see. <laughs> and that's valid. That's perfectly fair because I mean, I think sometimes and like, there's nothing wrong with competitions. I think competitions are oh, great. Oh, right, actually. right. No, we love, we love watching them. <laughs> yeah. But with that being said, they're not everything. And I think that especially with social media and also like I shared, just being out on the con floor and being able to meet people, there's so many different ways that you can engage in cosplay that I think sometimes a lot, well, I think sometimes we get caught up in thinking that if you're a award-winning cosplayer that that somehow separates you differently from a non-award-winning cosplayer. I mean, and it does. It's definitely, I think, a great honor to receive an award, not right. trying to diminish that in any way. But I think that competition doesn't have to be for everyone. And just because it may not be for you doesn't make you better or less than in any way. Right, right. Yeah, no, we just, you know, we, uh, we like watching them. We will just, we'll just spectate. <laughs> so we've covered so much cosplay stuff with you, which obviously was the point, but I want to know what is something that you are passionate about that isn't related to cosplay? Sure. So we touched on a little bit when we talked about um, the music, uh, but I 
enjoy art in general. So I also um, play music. So I, uh, in high school, I was really into band and I did marching band. So I played saxophone for a quite a long time um, and have some history with that. I've also um, learned uh, the mellophone, which is a brass instrument um, for when I was going to uh, college, mostly because the school that I attended only has an all brass band. And so saxophones were not allowed. So I had to learn a new instrument. Um, I really like that Jesse was like, hmm, like she's, she's so into this. Your answer right now. Oh, I played mellophone. That's what nice. I That's awesome. Yeah, you also play French horn or just yeah. yeah, I played French horn first and then I played mellophone for marching. That's so cool. I enjoyed that a lot when I was in school. And um, and then just like four years ago, um, I would say randomly, but it wasn't random. It's honestly, I have Sherlock to blame. I wanted to learn the violin. Um oh, cool. <laughs> Yes. So after watching BBC Sherlock, I was like, oh, I really love this instrument. So I just decided to um, rent a violin um, where I started taking private lessons to play violin and really enjoy it. Um, I am not the best violinist, but I, to, to Jesse's point earlier, I know enough to know when it's not right. <laughs> um, and, you know, can play a few like fiddle tunes and um, some classical music as well. So the nice thing about my private lessons teacher was that she was um, both classically trained and then also um, she knew uh, both uh, Irish and bluegrass fiddle. So I learned a little bit of that as well. Yeah, no, I don't play the violin at all. I just have watched, you know, 10,000 performances. So just from glancing at your social media, something I noticed that I thought was super interesting was that you are a big fan of collecting like props for movies. Yeah, thank you. Um, so it's actually just a hobby of mine and I spend a lot of time sort of just searching and searching and searching for whatever it is that I'm interested in. So right now, Umbrella Academy is one of the like my main muse that I'm really interested in. Uh, but previously I was also really into BBC Sherlock. And so I have a few items from the Sherlock series as well. That was really a kind of fun to, to find different items. Um, what I do is I do a lot of searching on Google and a lot of it starts with keyword searches. And then I use this, the image search um, until I can kind of narrow down the specific like look that I'm looking for, um, for whatever the item is. And then as I'm looking, the main thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, if I can find what the picture is, that looks close enough. I can then find maybe another keyword to add to my search. And I just kind of change up the keywords until I can find either the exact item I'm looking for just as a Google image. And then if I can try and find that brand, usually they can show the object in the different direction and I can find maybe a more identifying feature of it, which if I can then find the brand of the item, then I can either find if it's available for sale somewhere or um, one of the tricky things with Umbrella Academy is they like to use a lot of vintage items. Um, even during season one, when it was set in 2019, a lot of the objects that are used are vintage. So then that means searching in eBay or um, sometimes um, like 
I was able to find a uh, coffee cup that they used in the kitchenette area of the Umbrella Academy. I think number five is drinking coffee from that coffee cup when he is um, wearing his uh, pajamas. Mm-hmm. And I found that at like a restaurant supply store. So that meant I had to order like 28 of them. But oh my was- gosh. <laughs> yes. I have like a pallet of like these coffee cups now in my house <laughs> because um, I, I really wanted to have the coffee cup for my costume. So, but the key is, is just kind of searching for, and I, I started out with ceramic coffee cup. Um, and I thought it was blue at first. So I would say like blue stripe. And then I found out actually it's not blue, it's green, um, green stripe. And then I just kept looking and looking and looking. And I had hoped, I had hoped I could find it on eBay. Sadly, there was not like a single on eBay. So, cause I didn't want to have to buy a whole palette and but well, you did. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't find them single. So I ended up getting a whole palette. Um, but yeah, that's how I end up identifying a lot of the different prop items as I just start searching with some keywords. Um, or if I have an image, I can sometimes do a reverse image search and that can at least kick off the, the process in which I find these items. But it's really fun um, as a cosplayer to be able to have something that they used or they didn't technically use that object on set, but they used like the same brand or the same right. item. Yeah. So is that, so I, have, I have multiple questions about this. <laughs> is that <laughs> something that you started doing? Like, are, are you only doing that for cosplay props? Or are you doing that for like um, home decor things, like things, you know, like a lamp that is in the movie, you know, in the show or whatever. There, so there is some crossover. Um, usually okay. <laughs> the items that I find, um, they can be used as home decor and like they actually will be used as home decor, whether I like it or not, just because <laughs> I have so many of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, actually, um, uh, yeah, to your point, I don't have the exact wallpaper from Sherlock, but I was able to find a stencil for the wallpaper that is the, you know, the famous wallpaper that they used in the flat for uh, 221B. Uh, I have that in my basement. I was able to kind of like put that on one of the walls. Um, but yeah, so basically, and a lot of things like Dolores, I don't just have her top half. I also have her legs and lower half. So I have her sitting up in the corner of one of my rooms. Um, a lot of the things end up just kind of being strewn around the house in different areas. Um, a lot of the cups and, and glassware, like for example, I have the, um, the brandy snifter that was used. Um, Klaus holds it when he is sitting on the couch in season one and talking to Luther about asking dad to pick up the phone while he's playing tennis with Hitler or something like that. Um, (laughs) And he's holding this one glass. Well, five also holds it in the, um, in the promo images. And so I was able to find that specific crystal uh, brandy snifter. Well, that's sitting in one of my, uh, my cabinets downstairs. Um, But yeah, ultimately they do, they end up becoming, um, they end up becoming decor pieces because once you start collecting so many of them, it's really hard to find places to put them. So they just start becoming parts <laughs> of your house. I, I joke that sometimes it's like, it feels like I'm living in a prop house because everything is just kind of everywhere. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. So my other question about this is what was the first thing that you were like, I have to have that exact 
I've got to find that exact thing. Uh, so the first thing that I bought was, or that I found was the, um, the Eschenbach, um, uh, magnifying glass from Sherlock. So it's the magnifying glass that when in the first episode, when they're looking at the, the woman in pink, uh, when she's laying on the ground, he pulls out this magnifying glass that is actually, um, it's almost like a little business card. It's kind of like a rectangle shape. And then you can pull on the edges. And as you pull the edges apart, the magnifying glass is revealed between the two pieces of plastic. So that's the, it's a German, a, a German magnifying glass called an Eschenbach um, magnifying glass. I may not be pronouncing that perfectly, but I'm not German. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was the first item that I found that I was excited to have. Very cool. That is so, that's so cool. Like I said, I love like attention to detail like that. Like, you know, I don't think you have to have it, but I love that when people want that attention to detail, what they will do <laughs> to get it. I think that's so cool. Thank you. It's, it's fun. It's almost, I'll say it's almost like a hyper fixation because I really, really, really enjoy the details. So I find it's the thrill of the chase for me. Um, it's like a, being a cosplay detective. It's the, the thrill of the chase and the hunt that I really enjoy. Um, but then it's not just enough for me to find it. I also want to procure it. I want to be able to purchase it and receive it before like it, then I feel like I've really won. It's like my award, you know? <laughs> I probably should have gotten a hold of you and had you help me. We are doing like a funny Star Wars cosplay this year at Dragon Con. Ooh. And I've wanted to do Matt the Radar Technician for, I mean, <laughs> since that skit came out on SNL. Yes. And, but I could not find his like vest, his like utility vest. Oh. And I found like where people, like I found like the original one that they used and like what it was called. It was like, Tessie, do you remember what that was called? It had like this big long name. No, it was like some designer or something or like some specific brand. And but, so I looked and searched and searched and like it was sold out everywhere. So I was like, well, I'm still going to do it. So I ended up taking like a hunting vest, like an orange hunting vest and like altering it and it's as close as I'm going to be able to get it basically but I wanted that exact vest and I should have just I should have been like hey Rebecca help, help me out here <laughs> well that's awesome I so like Star Wars you mentioned Star Wars and I will say there is such a devoted fan base to Star Wars that I feel like there's probably a fan forum or website yeah, somewhere that actually that's how I found yeah that's how I found like the name of exactly what like SNL had used yeah but then like you uh, we Jesse even was like oh surely you can find that and like she went on there and we just we could not find it like for sale anywhere <laughs> it was insane oh my gosh so, <laughs> all those math radar technician uh cosplayers are just buying them up yep uh all right uh so Rebecca if you could um, tell our listeners where they can find you and all of your work that we've talked about on social media. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, so you can find me at littlelionheart.cosplay on Instagram, and you can find me at user underscore number five on TikTok. Um, although I've been toying with changing my TikTok to match my Instagram to be little lionheart.cosplay so 
depending on if this comes up and you're watching it later, it might be little lionheart dot cosplay, but if I don't change it yet, it'll probably still be user underscore <laughs> number five. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm gonna go follow you on TikTok right now because uh, we don't have we don't have you on there yet. So uh, be prepared for that follow. Um, well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being on with us today and putting up with our shenanigans. And uh, we hope that we can catch up with you at DragonCon this year and uh, get a cocktail. Absolutely. I would love it. And thanks for having me today. Yeah. Uh, okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed getting to know uh, Rebecca and uh, hearing all about her uh, cosplay journey and um, just some really interesting facts about her. Uh, I'm excited to get to see her hopefully at DragonCon this year. That's like you said, it's kind of the cool part about, you know, like, I just always feel weird because I'm like, I don't want to force people to hang out with me, but like, I'll probably be in that one bar drinking a Manhattan most of the time. That's our hangout, man. Yeah, it'd be nice. Like, you know, I guess that's an open invitation to any listener or past interviewee or both that, you know, we're going to be hanging out at Dragon Con. We'll post some stuff closer to yeah we'll set up um, some some times and stuff closer and we'd love to get to see you know we'd love to get to see as many of you as we can but also uh don't feel obligated because i have anxiety <laughs> and imposter syndrome uh, for, uh there's a couple of you that we will be, will be forced to hang out with us at least yeah. a little bit cough you know, cough sheila uh, cough cough amy yeah. Cough, cough. <laughs> yeah i got um i got treasures treasure um if you want to follow along with us on social media you can do that we are on facebook and instagram at cosplay and cocktails pod we are over on tiktok at cosplay and cocktails uh check out our tiktok won't you i spend a lot of time uh editing clips together and i really like it so maybe you will too um or you know, you can send us messages there, but Jessie would rather you send them to her over on one of our many emails or her sketchy uh, social media. Listen, I wouldn't say, first of all, we don't have many emails. We have two. Second of all, it's more than I would have rather. You can send it wherever you want. I did get my first email to the punk rock. Oh, we have a correction corner, corner and answer to a question corner. Oh, yes. Yeah. So uh, in our Fan Expo episode, we, uh, I asked you listeners what, uh, or I asked why, we, we talked about why they would scan your badge going in and going out. And we had a listener write in and say it's basically so someone doesn't go pick up their badge and then right at the exit hand it to someone else they're still inside the con and then the other person gets in and then because at fan expo they don't check badges going into like panels stuff like that like basically once you're in you don't really use your badge again right um so unlike dragon con where like anytime you go into a room that a dragon con event is happening in they check your badge so they basically said it was so that you know you couldn't go in and like pick up two badges and then hand them off at the exit and then two more people get in and then hand them off at the exit again and two more people get in so you could get like 
10 people in but only pay for two badges. That was a historically laced cosplay. Uh, and she also said, she also answered the, I'm going to ask you a question, oh, yeah. uh, which was uh, setting powder. Um, the one item that you would, if you could only have one to, you know, carry around with you. Uh, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. I think people who, especially if you've worn a costume a bunch, like you wouldn't be as worried about things as like, safety pins, glue, you know, but if you're us and you don't take your own advice and have only worn your costume for five minutes before you get to the con, those are <laughs> a little bit more important. Uh, so yeah, thank you. Uh, historically laced for answering our question, both questions. Um, you said, I really like that was also the first email as I think I said to the new punk rock email address. Um, I'm gonna start checking that more regularly because it took me a couple days to see it. So uh, I'm gonna start checking it more regularly uh, and do what I'm supposed to do uh, so that I see things when they're there. <laughs> uh, so please keep using it. I like, um, uh, you know, getting listener takes on things. Uh, I also like weird fish picks, interesting plants and mushrooms, uh, just cosplay stuff you're working on that you're proud of that you want to uh, show us. Or like I said, if there's any episode, it can be any of our former episodes when we've posed a question, um, feel free to, because uh, I also think it's fun to, when people write in things from like older episodes that it's been a while since we've recorded. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Like it's cool. interesting to see where people are in their listening journey. Cause we've always kind of wondered, you know, to me, I think everyone starts at the beginning and listens all the way through, but you right. seem to think that may or may not be the case. So right. you can send any of that corrections, weird fish picks, interesting plants and mushrooms, science facts, classical music corner. Yeah. So you can send any of that to uh, our emails. Uh, the original strength email, which is a bit long, cosplay and cocktails pod at gmail.com. That's gmail.com. Or the new punk rock email, which is cosplaypod at gmail.com. And, uh, or you can, if you want to see like very sporadic posting, I'm going to try to post more on there as well, at least when we're at conventions. Uh, so you want to see more live convention content or just chaos. Um, whatever I deem fit to post on there. Uh, we've got Cosplay Pod on um, Twitter and Instagram and TikTok as well. Uh, there is one actual TikTok. There's me doing chaos and then one actual TikTok that my boyfriend helped me make that if we break up, I'll have to delete. So uh, uh, <laughs> I guess you can see those. Uh, sweet vids at tiktok.com what forward slash <laughs> is that how you go to see it on tiktok if you don't have the app i don't know you just go to like tiktok.com forward slash cosplay pod 
And that will probably not take you to the dark web. Uh, I think we need to get, I'm going to get a P.O. box. So okay. people can write us a letter and I can write them a postcard back. That's a great idea. Gonna, I don't know how expensive it is to get a P.O. box. Yeah, maybe look into it. Maybe I'll just give like, um, well, that's not, I was going like, to be like, maybe I'll just give my neighbor's address. But like, I live next door. <laughs> Yeah, so that's not that's not plan's not quite as well thought out. No, no, that one's that one's not great. A PO box will be our future goal. I just like I said, getting this postcard. I like sending a little letter. I'm gonna type it out. If we get a some way of getting real mail, mm -hmm. I will um the first person that writes us, I will type a letter on my typewriter that smells very spicy for some reason it was used in an army office in world war ii my one of my favorite possessions i will type you out a response on my old 1940s she writes it by hand you won't be able to read it that's not true it's not true yes it is uh okay are we go. done no because i want you to acknowledge that you can read my handwriting if i write in print I can read your handwriting, but that's just no, all I my practice. students can. It's bad, but it's not that bad where you can't read it. Um. Okay, are we done? Yeah, now we're done. Okay, bye. Now that I've defended my handwriting, bye.